Hey everyone, welcome to the Work Friends Podcast, where we bring meaningful conversations to you. I'm Jen Brubaker, and I'm here with my co-host, work and real friend, Ainsley Stanley. This season, we are inviting you to experience Rhythms of Grace, a season dedicated to discovering spiritual disciplines and learning together how to connect with God and enjoy being in His presence more. Today on the podcast, we have Eliza Latta, who you may recognize from our previous episode. She's the associate pastor at Mountainside Church in Dundas and a staff member at Change Conference. Eliza talks with us about lamenting and celebrating. How do we do both? How can we learn more about life and God by being able to celebrate and grieve intentionally? Just thank you so much for the gift of, of being able to serve you and serve with you. So... Bless this time. Amen. Amen. Eliza, welcome. This is round two of having you on Work Friends. And since the last time that we had um, a podcast episode, we actually got to hang out in the summer, which was so fun. Oh, it was so fun. We went on a tubing experience where I think we all experienced severe whiplash, of which I'm still getting over six months later. Yeah, I was going to say, <laughs> how is your back? Yeah. You know, I now take weekly Cairo because of what happened to me. <laughs> I'm just kidding. It's a tough experience. Really just showed me my age, unfortunately. But it was a good memory and so fun to hang out with you girls. Yeah. Well, thanks so much for joining us again today. And uh, like last time, we're going to start off with some fun facts. And then we're going to dive into um, a conversation about lamenting and celebration mm. and how those things are, yeah, practices that I think Jesus shows us well in the Bible. So, mm. but to start off, yes, describe yourself in three words. Oh my. Well, right now I would say festive. I have as many Christmas trees up as possible. Um, and, oh, I went to a Christmas market last night, so now I'm just so excited. I know that this is probably not even airing around Christmas time, but I'm just so excited. And so festive and excited, and um, I would say, um, this is not a word, but this is a sentence in need of concealer, because I have such deep, heavy bags <laughs> under my eyes from the last season <laughs> in my life. <laughs> I'm like, oh my, I cannot, oh my. But that's just how I'm, how I'm coming to you this morning, which is great. Mm. Organic. I love it. <laughs> um, how would you, in this season currently, how would you spend a free day? Oh, um, I would sleep in. I'm sorry, I've been trying to Sabbath recently, which has been really tough in a, in a, in a busy season. Um, but I just felt God being like, okay, this is like even more important to Sabbath. So I would sleep in and um, I would um, go probably out for coffee with somebody. And, and I really realized that when I take a day off or when I Sabbath, I get so lonely so quickly. So it's like, I need like time with Jesus alone. And then I'm like, immediately need to be with people. Um, and then I don't know, I'd probably like do something fun with my niece and nephew. They're a really fun age right now. They're like, um, almost five and almost seven. So they're really, I don't know, just like not really babies. So I can't really drop them, which is really good. I feel like I've really gotten <laughs> past that stage of being nervous. Um, and then, you know, go out for dinner or I don't know, do something fun with people. I love it. Sounds like a good day. That can actually happen. It you know, can. we talk about dreams here, you know, but mm -hmm. that's like, it's not very too far attainable. off. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I like it. Um, what has been something that you've been really enjoying in this season? Mm. Oh, that's a good question. Um, you know what? This season has been so busy, which is great. And it was really fun to kind of come out of COVID and had like, I don't know if you guys felt this way, but it was like, wow, I haven't done anything for two years. So I'm going to book every single thing possible <laughs> and every 24 hour period of my life. Um, but the thing that I have been enjoying is 
like despite being kind of tired and re- needing to relearn margin and relearn boundaries, um, yeah. I have just so loved like being with people again. Like it just has brought me so much joy to like be gathering in. We've planted a church in September, so to be gathering together in church or to be we ran a conference, two conferences in October. Like to see people together has been something that I really hope that I don't take for granted again, like to just be in a group of people and be like, oh, this is amazing and so exciting. So that has been something I've been really enjoying recently. Mm. Love it. Uh, What is your favorite snack? Oh, potatoes in any form. I don't think that's a snack, but I just would eat them all. But it can be. Once I went to Swiss Chalet, this was years ago, and I have not repeated this mistake since, and I got French fries, um, pierogies, and mashed potatoes. And wow. they had to roll me out because I was so heavy. Like, I couldn't. <laughs> yeah. <you're... laughs> My stomach hurt. Yeah, talk about a food baby. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> They're like, what's happening? Potatoes. But you know what? They're also, so versatile. another weird quirk that I've really learned, because I've been, um, over the season it was busy, so I was in a bunch of hotel rooms. And this is so weird, but I realized that, like, when I'm in a hotel room, I really want a glass of milk. Isn't that weird? And so I've, like, gone to the grocery store and bought, like, a mini container of milk and just poured myself a cup of milk. It's a weird thing, but now I'm like, this is just, it's just something I'm really craving when I'm in a hotel room. It's super bizarre. Just who I am. Do you typically drink milk, like, with your Not that often. I'm, like, like, I'm not lactose intolerant. Like, I'll have, like, a glass of milk, but no, I don't know why. It's, like... Oh, I just really need a cold cup of milk while I'm in this hotel room. It's super weird. But now my team, my team knows. Like, okay, we got to go to the grocery store first to get Eliza her milk. Yes. <laughs> so fun. Um, okay. Uh, where is your next travel destination? Oh, oh, I haven't dreamed about traveling in a bit. Um, I don't know. Like my top places, I don't have anything booked soon, but my top places would be Greece and Israel. Um, yes. I don't know though. I, I hope I should, I should go somewhere soon, but you know, gotta save up that money. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> to buy less Christmas trees. I know. Exactly. <laughs> mm. Um, okay. So aside from those fun facts, uh, just tell us about yourself and what life looks like for you right now. Oh, well, I, um, kind of split my time, uh, evenly sort of between, um, helping run change conference events and um, as an associate pastor at a new church plant. So these days it's full on ministry, which is really amazing and not something I ever, ever thought that I would ever be doing, um, which is so funny. But uh, yeah, we just wrapped up our big fall season at change conference. So we had two events in uh, Toronto and then in Ottawa in person. It was amazing. We had 949 kids decide to follow Jesus. It was just like this crazy and amazing thing that I still am like, wow, God, you really, you really moved. It was amazing. Mm. Um, and then we're now re- getting ready to launch our uh, national online event in February. So we're busy with that and that'll be fun. Churches across Canada will join us in February. And then um, I'm preaching pretty much every Sunday at my church and um, working on, you know, we just launched in September. So we're kind of still figuring things out there. Uh, most Sundays, I'm just like, I don't fully know what I'm doing, but that's okay. We're going to just figure this out together. Um, so thankful that church is not just hinged upon one person and it's a group of people following Jesus together. Um, but those are kind of what I'm doing. And um, in the meantime, like in, in the downtime, just 
hanging out with people, like I said, just trying to fill every millisecond of my day so that I am <laughs> not home alone. Um, but that's what I'm up to. Nice. Well, I'm really excited today because we're going to talk about um, lament and celebration. And when we started this season, we'd had that as one of the topics. And some of them were like, we were like looking through and like thinking about who. And for a while, we weren't really sure who to ask for this. And then I had seen you, I think I sent it to you, the dinner that you had yeah. for Tat. And I was like, oh, Jen, Eliza would be so fantastic for this conversation. Um, and thinking about, like, it's, it's, a, it's a strange topic. I also was like, I don't think she'll be, like, weirded out by the fact <laughs> that we're talking about lament and celebration. Like, I think most people would be like, um, I'm not really sure that those two things belong in the same conversation. But I think that for myself, I'm learning more that we do. And mm. I mean, you're an Enneagram person, so you know this. Like, I recently learned through doing arrow I always thought I wasn't a seven and then I think I learned that I definitely am (laughs) and the when I talked to our Enneagram coach she was like yeah like you like probably like really like avoid pain Mm -hmm. and like feeling your pain really deeply into and I was like I don't do that that's (laughs) dumb whatever and then we like went to arrow and like had to like really dig deep on some things Mm -hmm. and I was like maybe I do avoid pain I'm just gonna run away now (laughs) Choose not to face this. <laughs> so much crying that <laughs> But I was like, oh, like learning to um, be able to lament, especially mm. like how that affects like our relationship with God. And I had to speak on lamentations earlier this year, which I think I talked about on the podcast before, where like I had like I mean, I knew about Lamentations and had done some stuff, but I ended up having to speak on it. And so I did like a deep dive into Mm. like Lamentations. And one of the things in one of the books I read was like about how like the modern Western church does not do that well. And Mm. they like talk about the Psalms that they put in like people who have more like liturgical services and how like almost every single Psalm about lament is like, removed from that wow and even though like 30 or 40 percent of the psalms are like lamenting psalms and most of our like like 90 percent or 80 percent of like ccli worship songs are Mm -hmm. um or like whatever that's 10 or 20 Mm percent or whatever it is Mm -hmm. um actually like involve any type of lament Mm -hmm. like we're very high on like the worship celebration but not Mm -hmm. on the lament so I think this year especially as someone who doesn't always like to really like sit in my like difficult emotions or like understand them but like learning that like as a church that we can actually learn to like lament and celebrate and how those two things actually can lead to each other and Mm. like learning how to do them together um so that's kind of like the foundation for like why why we wanted to talk about this and like as like more of a spiritual practice actually to think about what does it look like to celebrate as a practice? What does it look like to actually lament as a practice and Mm -hmm. to choose to remember and grieve and to do all those things? Um, So that's kind of my, my preface to this conversation. Mm -hmm. And I love to just sort of read you, like how would you kind of see these spiritual practices as being important for your own life or for the church in general? I, can so easily like lament is like my natural inclination it's like (laughs) let me lament every (laughs) so celebration is what I have to work for and so it's just so cool as God has created us in all unique personalities how we can kind of like 
help teach one another in this way. So I think Ainsley, you're just like a natural celebrator and uh, rejoicer. And that's amazing because then I kind of can look to people like you to be like, how do I rejoice in my life? Um, whereas God just wired me um, as an Enneagram 4 who's like, everything is dark and I feel the world so deeply. And, and God's like, all right, we are just going to need to work on finding some light in this situation. Um, and so I am, I, I really, a couple years ago, um, said to the Lord, like, um, what spiritual discipline should I work on? I try to add a practice every year and focus on that practice. Um, and so a few years back, um, in my friend, our friend had just passed away and I had been asking God, what spiritual discipline should I add? And I felt him say, add celebration. And, um, that was bizarre because I was like, well, I think I just would like to focus on being really sad and grieving. And it felt the opposite of what, um, my natural inclination was. And throughout that year, I was really able to learn like, oh, celebration and lamentation, actually, they're almost like the flip sides of a coin. Like, it's like, they're not that far off from one another. Paul talks about rejoicing when people rejoice, and then he immediately talks about mourning when people mourn. So they're actually really tethered together, Um, which feels like what you said, Ainsley. Like, it feels like the opposite of kind of what our church culture says, of what our regular culture says. It feels like you have to, like, only just be in one and be in it, like, Mm -hmm. really strongly. Um, But I think that because God created us so multifaceted, he has this invitation for us to be able to, in our morning, find things to rejoice over and not in like a, you know, just kind of find the silver lining. There's something really beautiful about like, in my deep grief, how do I rejoice? And in my rejoicing, how do I make room for lamentation? Um, That's what I've been learning. Yeah, as you're talking, Liza, like, again, we're recording this in December, so just before Christmas. This is not going to come out during Christmas, but um, we often hear, like, Emmanuel, God with us. I'm, like, so thankful, though, in all of these things that he is with us. Like, he does sit with us in that tension of um, lament and mourning and loss and grief, and he understands that. And celebration and and yeah you said that so well um can you where else do we see this in scripture because it's um you mentioned um Paul Mm -hmm. but where else do we see this like lamentations and celebration throughout scripture I think that and I might be missing like a really blatant example but I think that when a lot of it for me comes um through the parables of being found. I love the parables Mm. of people finding things because they're searching for something like the woman with the lost coin, like she's searching for something and then she finds it and she rejoices. The prodigal son, like there's just this um, layering of emotion in these stories of like something is missing, something like there is something integral that I need that is missing and 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 then there's this invitation to to rejoice once that's been found and I think the hard part for me is how do I rejoice when I haven't found the thing that I wanted to Mm. find um when our friend died you know it's like how do you rejoice in that and I think what can be like something that we need to sort of just be mindful of is um not like a toxic positivity where we are just like okay how do I just muster my way out of this sadness um for me something that um this phrase that I really think about a lot is um rejoice in what is true about God and that is something that I 
when I'm thinking about celebrating and rejoicing, that is the mindset of what I have. It's like, all right, I'm really struggling right now. Um, I'm, I'm grieving or I'm feeling lonely or I have this deep ache or uh, like whatever fill in the blank of like whatever we are lamenting currently or the world is feeling really heavy or anything. Um, I don't want to like just celebrate and be like, woohoo, well, that's fine. I'll just make it through. I think it for me, it's like, okay, God, like how do I rejoice right now about what is true about you? Like, these are the things that I am currently really feeling quite deeply. Um, But how do I rejoice in your faithfulness? How do I rejoice in your nearness, in your kindness? Like, those are the things for me that I choose to rejoice about. And so I just see that um, a lot in the parables of being found. Mm. Um, So I think it's really neat that you um, invited like celebration as a spiritual practice then Mm -hmm. into your life. Um, So like kind of thinking of like more of a practical level, like what did introducing that into your life look like? You know what? I went sledding a lot, which is just weird. And I don't really like winter and I don't like being outside in the cold. Um, But there was, I just thought like, what would make me feel like a kid again? And that's kind of what I looked through the idea of celebration through like okay what would make me feel like a kid again and sledding I was like that seems like something I did as a kid and so I would take my niece and nephew all winter and we just started to go sledding and it was so fun and it felt like yeah like just oh my gosh I can't even tell you like I'm like 26 years old at the time and I'm just sledding I'm like my body is aching but it was just like so much fun and so um for me celebration and the idea of delight um are pretty closely linked so it's like what Mm. brings God delight what brings me delight um and I really try to kind of like I don't mean that to be like woo woo and like kind of like weird but like that idea of like feeling like a little girl again I think there's something really beautiful about that um because we can get kind of trapped in being an adult and needing to be responsible and all these things. And you can kind of lose that like childlike wonder. Um, and I think that Jesus kind of put that inside of us when he talks in scripture about like, become like a child, like have faith like a child. And so mm-hmm. um, for me, celebrating, uh, yeah, it kind of goes around that question of what makes me feel like a kid. <laughs> mm. Yeah, that's cool. And what, like, what did you learn through that? Like maybe about yourself or about God? Well, I learned that celebration is a lot harder than I thought. Like it's mm-hmm. not, it's not easy for me. I have to work to celebrate. And doesn't that sound so ridiculous? Like, it's like, but, but, and for me, like joy is something that I have to really work on. It's like, okay, I have to like work on joy. I have to like choose to be joyful. I have to choose mm-hmm. to celebrate. Um, And I think that's okay. And I also think this is an ongoing thing for me and the Lord, but like understanding that my feelings don't necessarily have to be there. I don't necessarily have to feel joyful to choose celebration. Like I can choose this as an act of obedience and as a, almost like a Mm. sacrifice to God and being Mm. like, well, I do not feel this way right now, but like, I, I love you, God. And I want to I know you invited me into this and I want to, you know, participate in celebration with you. Um, when it comes to lament, then you said that that comes really naturally to you, but do you do anything to like intentionally, um, sort of like grieve and lament to you? Or is it just so your natural state that that's just like what you do? I probably need to find healthier practices. <laughs> I feel like I'm just like, I don't know. I, 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 for me, um, 
one of the things that I, I, um, felt like God was inviting me into a couple years ago. I don't know if you feel this way. I was explaining this to somebody the other day and they looked at me like with compassion, but also maybe a bit of concern. And I was like, no, no, I promise this is just me. Um, but I was explaining, like, I sort of just have like this natural kind of ache in me. I feel just like this like deep ache. And I don't know if that's like longing or if that's something I need to go to more therapy for like who knows who's to say there's so many issues we can continue to work through um but this one I remember this experience um a few years ago I was like sitting at a beach nearby my house and I was with tons of people that I really loved and I felt this ache like this deep ache and I was like what is happening right now like I should be happy you know I'm with people that I love like I shouldn't feel lonely and I shouldn't feel sad and I just felt, I just started to talk to the Holy Spirit about it. Like, why am I feeling this ache and what do I do with this ache? And I felt God kind of say to me, like, when you feel the ache, like, come, come back to me in your ache. Mm. And so I think that it can be, it's, that's the harder thing to do though, when you're aching. Like for me, the easier thing to do is I would just watch 12 hours of television and escape. Like it would be so much easier to find something or to, And I'm not against, you know, talking through things with people. That's really important too. But like I so often will not go to God as the one to to kind of work through the ache with. I'll go to TV and I'll go to people and I'll – or I'll work harder or whatever. Like you try to escape. Whatever people's escape method of choices, we all have different different ones to choose from. But I think that that for my lament is like, okay, Jesus, like, how can I come to you in this ache? And the thing is, Mm. is that we don't always work through the sadness and we don't always work through the ache. I think I'm reminded in the ache that um, I have a companion who is with me there, who is going to sit with me in it. Um, But sometimes I would just rather God fixes it. But most Mm. of the time (laughs) he will choose to sit with me in it instead. Mm. Mm. That's really well said. That's, I was like, that's so beautiful, but freaking hard. I know. It is hard. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, I wondered, and again, share however much you are comfortable with, but I think Ainsley and I, again, as we are kind of planning out this season and we wanted to talk about lament and um, celebration, we both separately read your post that you mm-hmm. um, made about um, yeah, the dinner that you put together for um, Tat. I was just wondering, could you share about what you did and kind of what your thought process was and, um, yeah, how that kind of married these two things together, like really sat in the tension of lamentations and celebration. Yeah. Yeah. I threw a grief dinner party, (laughs) Mm -hmm. um, which is funny. You don't think those two words go together, grief and party. Um, but, uh, it was four years since our friend had passed away and I, really every time her anniversary comes around I'm just like something in me is like I have to do something to like mark this day like it just feels like I can't let it go by without there being like something Mm. like of me like marking it like okay this day is happening and what am I going to do about it and um and so this year um I have a my seasons have just changed. And so I had, um, a new group of friends that I'd become friends with over the last year. I'd started to date somebody over the last year. And so things had changed in my life and people, um, that are really close with me had never met Tat. And that 
like the thought of that did something to me. I'm like, oh, I like want these people to meet her and I want them to know her. And so um, I was like, I'll throw a party. I'll throw a party and then they can all meet her. <laughs> it will be great. Um, and so I – I think on one hand, like practically, it just gave my mind something to think about more than just like the deep grief. Um, Mm. But on the other hand, it was such a um, special time to be able to like invite people into my friendship with her. And so what I did is I kind of just threw this party and I invited people who had known her and people who didn't know her. I had like really decorated I put pictures of her everywhere I put like a slideshow of her up I she loved aloe vera plants so I bought everybody a party favor of an aloe vera plant I got like cheesecake and we all had dinner and it was like the sit-down meal and we went around and anybody who knew her got to tell a story about her if they wanted to and people who didn't know her they just listened and um it was so beautiful because I felt like all, all these friends that didn't know her came up to me afterward and they were moved and they just said, like, I feel like I know her now. Like, I cannot wait to meet her in heaven when we all get to hang out. And so um, it was really hard. Like, it was a really hard party. Um, but it felt sacred to be able to carve space mm. out for being able to grieve being able to cry and think about memories I hadn't thought about in a long time um, while also like having this really unique space of, of kind of introducing my friends to her and being like this, mm. you know, she's an amazing girl. I want you to meet her. And so it was this kind of strange clash of emotions. Um, and people told me they'd never been to a grief dinner party before. It was new for all of us, <laughs> um, but it was really, really special. Yeah, that's so I, – I, like, it's such an interesting thing because, again, you're like, we don't – and I think even from sort of a, like, modern Western perspective again, which we all have, of, like, that's not really, like, a thing that we do, right? Like, that's not mm-hmm. sort of a commonplace. Like, I'd never heard of that before. <laughs> um, maybe other people have. I don't know. Uh, <laughs> but, like, I think about, too, like, the – so, when again, back to, like, when I was um, doing some research on this, like, one of the books I read talked about, like, this comparison of, like, um, Western culture versus more, um, like, collective-type cultures mm-hmm. that are, like, less individualistic and how um, – and particularly – cultures that were either at the receiving end of like um they were colonized or just like don't come from like an abundance nation Mm. and how uh those nations that have not naturally experienced celebration are much more comfortable with grief Mm. and I think like when you say that I'm like I think that most people would feel really awkward to sit in that type of space where we're getting together and enjoying each other's company and having this special moment, but we're like also talking about like really sad things. Mm -hmm. Like I think that usually when people are going through something difficult or if we're feeling something difficult, like people just feel awkward because we're not really practiced Mm -hmm. and comfortable in like, this is sad and we're all sad and we're Mm -hmm. all just going to be like really like, you know, sort of like naked and vulnerable in our, in our emotions Mm -hmm. in that way. And I think that it can be really difficult to know how to just sit in that. Like we don't, I think you look at the Bible and they're like, (laughs) you know, like people knew when they were lamenting, Mm -hmm. like, you know, like 
we wear black to funerals, but that's about like yeah. the extent yeah. of our like physical. The rest of it is like, okay, like let's put some, you know, makeup on this mm-hmm. and like put your best self forward. Mm-hmm. And, you know, we'll allow you a time of like, you know, understanding and compassion. It's not that we don't feel those things, but we just feel so awkward mm-hmm. about it. Like we just want it to go away as soon as possible. Totally. Yeah. Cause it's, it is awkward because I think that it's so much better when we have this script that we follow and it's like, okay, I'm going to say this because that's going to make me feel comfortable and then I won't, and then I can leave and that will be great. And I can finally escape this awkward situation and I can just go back to feeling comfortable and da, 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 da. But there's something so healing about um, grieving collectively um, and rejoicing mm-hmm. collectively. Like why do we have birthday parties and Christmas dinners and weddings? Because it's like, you don't want to just get married with, well, maybe you do if your family's nuts, but like, you don't want to just get married just the <laughs> two of you. Like you want to have a party. You want to celebrate with each other. You want people to be, I think you want people to be a witness to what's happening. And so when I threw that grief dinner party, Mm -hmm. I wanted someone to witness my grief and to be there and to be like, okay, I can like affirm and validate that this was a good, beautiful thing that happened and that you lost. Mm -hmm. And I needed someone to witness that. And so I think that Mm -hmm. in our grief and in our rejoicing, it's so much more powerful when we invite people into that despite awkwardness, because we need people to witness that with us. It's like just a really powerful thing when you have in any form of sadness, when you invite someone else into that and you can give them permission to be like, like I said this, you know, I'm like hosting this weird grief. It's so weird. It's like so weird. And I'm just telling people, I'm like, all right, so this is like super awkward. And I'm really thankful that you all came to this really awkward party. And so now that we all have established that this is a very awkward <laughs> thing that we're gathering at, um, we can just be ourselves and, and we can just like, I just gave everyone permission. Like, cause I think I needed to give myself permission. And I just said, I'm like, it is okay if you cry. It is okay if you're sad. It's okay if you don't cry. Like, however you are feeling right now, that is okay. And so I think that we just need to be able to give each other a bit more permission to come however we are coming. Mm-hmm. So good. I I wonder, um, that was several months ago, mm-hmm. I, I think. Um, now that you're several months out from that, what have you... Um, gained or what's changed in you Mm. or yeah what has that been like now looking back on that Mm. and and maybe it won't be your first or maybe it won't be your only grief dinner party that you host but yeah after the first one what have you kind of taken from that well um I think it just taught me um a bit more of how to be present with people in their grief. Um, Mm. I've had some friends that have been going through a hard season the last couple of weeks. And what's so interesting is that they didn't have a friend pass away. So our grief, like our situations were very different, but um, how they were so present for me, I have been reminded like, oh, I can be present for them. And that that Mm. is like a real gift to give somebody. You do not have to know the right thing to say. saying the right thing, like we will never know what the right thing is to say to somebody because we all grieve in really different ways. But presence is a gift that you can always Mm -hmm. give to somebody. Just sitting with them or um, allowing them to know truly like, I am here if you ever want to talk. Like I and we can just talk about whatever you want. I don't even have to say anything. You can just tell me whatever emotion that you're feeling. Um, And so I think seeing like the gift that somebody or multiple people were, were were willing to be present with me, like unlocked something in me to be like, Oh my gosh, like I can be present for Mm -hmm. other people. Um, 
and mm. it inspired a new a new party for me. You know, I just love parties. Um, and in January, I'm gonna we can do a podcast after this. Um, in January, <laughs> I'm gonna host um, a faithfulness party, and I want my friends to come with lists of ways that they saw God be faithful in their life over the last year. Um, and for us to just be able to go through that, because again, I just think there's something so special about coming together um, to celebrate. And um, and so I'm really excited about that. I'll let you know how that goes. That will be a little bit more fun than my groove party. <laughs> yeah, that's cool. And I think at the court, like people are actually like craving that. Like I remember... Um, I mean, because it's fresh in our mind, like I remember when Tat passed away and I was like working at camp that summer. And so it was such an interesting, like physical place to be because Mm -hmm. there were so many people that were a working there that loved her. Mm -hmm. And like, I was already kind of in a weird place because I think like two weeks before that or like a week before it, um, like a young boy from our like hometown had passed mm-hmm. away who was like 15 years old. And so I was like already in like a weird place and then this came. And so it was very fresh and raw. Um, and, but one of the things that they did was they just, because what I noticed because I was working there is people who even hadn't seen Tat in a long time, but were like feeling this grief. And like, I don't think knew quite what to do mm-hmm. with it. Like as you often do, especially when you first learn about mm-hmm. something, um, people like for the next two, three weeks just started showing up at the ranch. Like they hadn't been there in years. Wow. And they're like all of a sudden like, hey, I want to come volunteer for the day. And you're like, oh, or like, hey, I'm coming for campfire. And so people were like showing mm. up like like it was crazy. Like um, and not some people would come with like a friend. Some people just came on their mm. own. And like all of a sudden they're like, I want to be in this place where I knew her. Mm-hmm. And um, but what they did is they then because of that had like, um, a very informal campfire that I think that you came to too. And they just, mm-hmm. it, all they did was they said, if you want to share stories mm-hmm. about Tat and um, we like invited everybody. And so all kinds of different people came that had worked with her at camp and all got to just share about like different memories and stories and funny things and sad things. And, you know, it was kind of fun cause you like, you know, remember all these things. But I remember just thinking like, this is actually how, it, it should be like mm. there was none of this like oh well you know you didn't really know her mm-hmm. that well or whatever it was like here's a space where people are feeling emotions mm-hmm. and we're just inviting everybody to come here and actually be and sit in this and we all laughed a lot and hugged each other and had fun like reuniting too yeah um like I remember it was the first time I'd seen you in quite a while and I was like oh my gosh Eliza like we chatted about things that were tat and things that were not tat yeah. and that was like a weird tension to sit in, but like I think it gave everybody a space that probably in most situations doesn't happen, mm-hmm. um, where there's like a communive place where they can come and just be and be happy and sad mm-hmm. and remember and laugh and cry like mm-hmm. all together. Like, and I, I remember thinking about that and I'm like, what kind of spaces do we normally mm-hmm. have? Because I don't know if I've sat in a place like that usually. I mean, again, mm-hmm. different people like grieve differently so Mm -hmm. sometimes there are spaces like that when people pass or hard things happen but usually it's very isolating Mm -hmm. it's not a place where we invite people into Mm it Mm -hmm. 100% yeah and I think that um, because now you know that because you've experienced something like this and so almost I think there could be a bit of an invitation for people who have experienced that to lead a bit in this way Um, Mm -hmm. because people don't want to go first because it's so awkward and it's it's just 
and it's painful. Like who wants to be in pain? It's, you know, you like our natural human thing is like, we want to run away from pain and, and that campfire, I hated it. You know, like it was like, (laughs) it was really good to be together, but also it was so painful. Like I didn't want to be with people. I, Mm -hmm. I felt, I remember that. And I was extremely grumpy. Like it took me a long time to become (laughs) a kind person again after just, I felt so angry and so confused and all these feelings. Um, but I do think Ainsley, you're absolutely right. Like there is something really beautiful about kind of carving out those spaces. And what came to mind when you were talking about that is, um, you know, kind of needing to laugh in midst pain um, and lamentation. I think that the really other cool thing about celebrating and lamenting at kind of similar times is that we almost need a reprieve from sadness sometimes, right? Like we cannot Mm. just be sad constantly. It's like not, it's just too hard. It's too hard to be sad constantly. And so I think that there's such a gift, like in the midst of a funeral or, or a campfire where you're, you know, grieving your friend or a grief dinner party where someone says something funny and then you're like (laughs) crying, but also laughing. (laughs) Cause it's like, (laughs) I know I have so many emotions what's happening, but it's this beautiful reprieve of like, it is okay to still laugh. It is okay to still find things to rejoice over. And actually there's something really beautiful um, and holy about being able to see God's goodness and kindness in the midst of sadness. So I wonder if you could just touch on, um, yeah, like I, I really appreciate what you said about Um, your grief dinner party and what that was like for you grieving a close friend Um, and how do you how do you continue to practice both of these things Um, yeah like I'm just like thinking of people listening to this Mm -hmm. not everybody has lost Mm -hmm. a close family member a close friend Um, but I think all of us all of us at some point will experience grief Mm -hmm. in different ways. Mm -hmm. And so I just wondered if you could um, speak to us and how we can intentionally practice these things, Um, whether that's on a daily basis, whether that's a weekly practice, whether it's um, annually. Um, But yeah, maybe a bit more on on a practical note, how we can practice um, lamenting and celebrating. Mm. I think, and this is just my opinion, I think that it's really important to remember what you've lost and to honor what you've lost. And so whether that's a person or a dream or a relationship or an expectation or a hope, like what I typically would do is that if I have lost something, I will berate myself for feeling like I thought that was going to work. That was so dumb. Why did I think that that was going to work? Or why did I, why did I love that so much or whatever, especially if it's like a dream or an expectation. And I think what actually, um, is more healing is to, to honor that loss and to think about like, there was this, this person or this idea or this dream or this relationship or whatever that, that I really loved and that mattered a lot to me. And I don't have that anymore. And instead of becoming suspicious, instead of feeling like I'm not going to trust anymore, or I'm not going to love as deeply anymore because it hurts so badly when I lost that, I think that we choose or I try to choose to instead honor it and figure out like, Mm -hmm. so for me with tat, um, 
like on her birthday, I'll get Starbucks, you know, for her. And there'll be like these little things. Her birthday was just last week. And so there'll be these little things that like only I know and only God knows, but it's like, I can honor her in little ways. Or if I have this dream that feels like it failed, it's like, how do I honor what God had put inside of me? Like, okay, Jesus, I feel like this was really important and that this was something that you were doing within me. Like, how do I face it and honor it? Um, because what I think can be harmful for us is when we just decide, like, I'm going to forget this. It hurt too much. I'm going to walk away. I'm going to pretend this didn't exist. I'm going to berate myself for having too much hope in this thing. Um, and then we become these suspicious, untrusting people. And that's not what is, that's mm. not helpful. <laughs> um, mm-hmm. Loving, loving. I, this is so cheesy, but like it can really hurt. Like when you love something or someone and you lose it, that is extremely painful. But we don't then, you know, like lock up our heart and think, well, I'm never going to love anybody again. You you take that and think like that was a really that was a, such a beautiful thing that God gave me. And that was a gift. And I can be so grateful. And I am genuinely so grateful to God for giving me four years of good friendship with Tat. Like he could have given me one. I could have never met her. Like, you know what I mean? I am so thankful for that. So, um, I don't know. That's, I don't know if that's super practical, Jen, but I just think it's really important to remember and to honor, um, what we've lost. Mm-hmm. And really, and I hear you saying like creating space for those things. Yeah. I think that's like, yeah, that's so hard, especially like when you get to the day to day, busy yep. to do list, whatever mm-hmm. else, like creating time to actually pause. Yep. Yep. <laughs> it's hard pausing and then remembering, mm-hmm. remembering mm-hmm. can be hard, it can be hard, but don't you think like, it's gonna, it's gonna come up eventually. Don't you think like, oh, even yeah. if we push it down, it's like, well, you can, you can honor this or I'm speaking to myself here. It's like, I can honor this now. Mm. Or I can wait four years and just spend so much more money in my therapy, you know? So it's like, I I think (laughs) we're, you know, it's going to come up. Grief always comes up. And I think we just get to choose, um, yeah, how to make space for it. But yes, making space is so hard and it's, you have to be really Mm -hmm. intentional with that. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I I think so much for saying like, yeah, I just love remembering and honoring, Mm -hmm. like honoring the losses, um, I think I've, I've heard that in, um, in context of, uh, yeah, like losing a loved one or something like that. But I like what you said about, yes, losing a loved one. So incredibly mm-hmm. painful. Losing a dream, mm-hmm. an expectation. Mm-hmm. Like how many times do we like remember the expectations that we lost or the dreams that mm-hmm. we lost? Um, yeah, I, th- it, I think there's a real invitation there mm. for a lot of healing. And just, mm. like, for Jesus to meet us in that. Like, he actually invites. I just, yeah, as you're talking, I'm just like, wow, what an invitation yeah. to to come to mm. Jesus with all those things. Because he can hold it and carry it all. Absolutely. Um, what a beautiful gift And that unfortunately, is. that means we will probably have to sit in some discomfort with him. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> as we oh process goodness, those yeah. losses. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think one thing too that I'm glad you mentioned too of like the it's not just like we're obviously like something that's very like central to this conversation is we're talking about specifically learning about these things in the like loss of a loved one. Mm-hmm. But mm-hmm. even just thinking about how um, you know, for some people, because, you know, sometimes I talk to people and they're like, well, I don't really have that much to, like, complain about or whatever. Um, and that's fine. But even thinking about, like, I think COVID was a really good mm-hmm. lesson for all of us that, like, we all actually have things to grieve 
and um, you know what I mean? Like if you pay attention to, I mean, I don't really watch the news, but I'm on social <laughs> media, so like I know enough about what's happening. You know what I mean? Like it, it's like everywhere you look, there is um, either like in the world mm -hmm. um, things happening or just like also learning to, um, like you said, like like grieve with those who grieve, like yeah. mourn with those who mourn. And, um, you know, like some of this, this idea of lament isn't like always just for you yeah. like God always calls us to be mm. in community so I think learning too that like lament really is like a community thing mm -hmm. and so sometimes that grief looks like I think some of the things in my life that are hardest like some of those things were how it affected me but also like when you're with people who are really broken mm -hmm. like that also um you learn a lot about like grief and pain and suffering. And so, you know, if you're thinking, well, maybe I don't really know how to do this in my own life because I've never been through something hard. Maybe you're not processing it. Or maybe there's also other ways that, you know, you might have the opportunity to like invite yourself into the discomfort and it's actually through yeah. something else that's not just about you. Yeah. Yeah. That's so good. Yeah. I need to be reminded a lot that it's not just about me. Because it can be really easy <laughs> to kind of just slip into that. Um, mm -hmm. But yeah, there is something yeah, so beautiful about being with other people in that. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, well, this has been uh, fantastic. Um, I guess just like one kind of thing to wrap it up. Is there anything um, that you have found helpful in learning about these things, whether that's like a resource or just an encouragement for people that are in a space of learning about these things? I just think that um, we're invited to process and pray through any feeling that we have with a living God who became flesh and knows every single feeling that we ever might feel. And so I think that if you're experiencing any form of pain or celebration, um, what a gift it is to come to Jesus and be able to talk to him about that and tell him about that and sit with him in that. Some of my most precious moments with God over the past few years have mean, been me not talking and just sitting with him and like really just feeling, okay, God, you are, this is, let's, let's talk about this for one second. Psalms talks about how like you are close to the brokenhearted. There is a special, mm -hmm. I believe that there is a really special grace that can come when we come before Jesus in our brokenness and he comes so near. Um, we can choose to reject him and be like, I'm going to do this my own way. Or we can invite him um, to be a part of our brokenness. And let me tell you, like the times I've never felt Jesus so near to me as when I came to him brokenhearted. So I would just encourage you to just draw near to him because um, I know that's so cliche, but it's like he is the best comforter. I remember looking up the word comfort um, after Tat died and the Latin, the idea behind it means to sit with someone strongly. So it doesn't mean mm. to gloss over their pain or to fix it. It means to sit with someone strongly. And that's how I felt God met me. Um, every time I came to him, he sat with me with like this very strong presence. And so I just pray that he does the same for others. That's really good. Thank you so much. Um, yeah. Thank you for sharing Yeah, your story and your heart. And it's cool to see how, um, yeah, like God has just worked through your life and um, yeah, like just learning things and especially for you to like kind of 
those things together mm. and celebration and what does that look like? I think that, um, again, your unique perspective and the way you're wired is such a gift for us to learn from. So you're thank so you so amazing. much. Next time we can do something really happy and exciting. It's like every time you invite <laughs> me on your podcast, like let's talk about really hard, sad things. Yeah. <laughs> hey, we love it. Hard but good. Yes. That's like the work friends motto. Yes, that's good. I mean, but we could just, you know, do a little stand-up routine next time or something and just laugh. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds good to me. <laughs> Thanks so much for joining us as we practice Rhythms of Grace together. We love doing this journey with you. So we'd love to hear what God is speaking to you. Reach out to us and share your journey on Instagram or Facebook at Just Work Friends. And we'll be back next Monday for another Rhythm of Grace. Bye. <laughs>